Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs, the speed, touchdown, Carr with another bomb. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome to Just Pod, baby, now part of the team at sportsnot.com and their network. Not sure if you had a chance to see the news, but Vegas Sports Today uh, has now been wrapped into the sportsnot.com website, so you can continue all to follow all of our great Raiders coverage by our team of writers, Scott Gilbranson, Mo Moten, and Brevin Honda over at sportsnot.com. Uh, we are excited uh, to be joining this this platform and, and to reach a, a whole new audience of listeners with the podcast and, and readers. Uh, be sure to go out there and give SportsNot a follow on Twitter. That's at SportsNot, N-A-U-T. Uh, and as always, we appreciate your loyalty and we hope that you will continue to follow us on our new platform. Welcome to your first off-season episode of Just Pod Baby. I am Evan Grote, your host. Uh, it was a tough loss for the Raiders. Uh, in their first playoff game since 2016, they went out, uh, on the road uh, to Cincinnati. It was a hostile environment, lost a closely contested game 26-19. It came down to the bitter end, and we will get to some of my thoughts on that in just a few moments. But there is plenty of other news uh, to get to this week. Mike Mayock was notified that he was fired on Monday. He is no longer the general manager of this football team. Rich Basaccia, uh, he he uh, had an interview to have the interim label uh, taken off his uh, title uh, with Mark Davis. They met on Wednesday, and at the moment, he's kind of in a holding pattern as this process in this search kind of plays out. Uh, the Raiders have also... Uh, put in a uh, request to interview uh, Patriots defensive assistant Jared Mayo for the head coaching position as well. And, and as far as the general manager search goes, they're they're putting in requests for Patriots director of player personnel Dave Ziegler, uh, Champ Kelly from the Bears front office, as well as Trey Brown from the Bengals, and Colts assistant general manager Ed Dodds um, for that general manager job. So the search for both a new head coach and a GM seem to be underway. It does look like... Um, they're putting a little bit more of an emphasis on the general manager right now, so it appears to be that whoever the new general manager uh, will be could have some um, input onto who the next head coach may be. And and we do have a couple of great guests uh, for you this week. We've got two of them. We will first uh, speak to Kevin Bollinger. Uh, you may know him from the Raiders Press Conference Live show. And he hosts that show with Eric Allen, and Kevin is the sports director at Fox 5 in Las Vegas. He has a great job on the Press Conference Live show, so we'll chat with him about the season that was for the Raiders and what's to come in this very important offseason. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And in segment two, Adam McMahon will join the show. Adam covers Michigan Wolverines football for the Ann Arbor News, and I think it's I think you know why I'm going to have Adam on, and I also think it's safe to say that the consensus among Raider Nation 
information is that they want Jim Harbaugh to be the next head coach of this football team. So we're going to get the scoop straight from Ann Arbor and find out what Adam thinks uh, about Harbaugh and what his decision may be uh, in the future here. So a really busy show for you this week. And I love the offseason for me covering uh, this team on this podcast. I really enjoy this time of year. This is my favorite part of doing this. I love a lot of the conversation and the topics that we get into here. Um, the senior bowl practices, the combine free agency, and of course the draft. And this year it's even bigger and better because, you know, you, you throw in the fact that there's a, a search going on for the general manager job and, and, a, and, and most likely a new head coach is going to be hired. The draft this year is in Las Vegas. So there's so much to discuss and, and break down here in the coming weeks. So make sure you are subscribed to the show and follow Follow me on Twitter at egrop 5 to stay on top of it with me as I try to help navigate you through here the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I do want to get it kicked off now with a, a quick rundown of the game from Saturday night. And I know, you know, I know we're about a week removed from the game now. You might be ready to kind of turn the page and start thinking about next year in this current offseason. But I, I do want to get you just a few of my thoughts, big picture from the game. Uh, first, I'll start with some things that I thought the team did well. I thought Josh Jacobs played a, a really nice game. Uh, 13 carries for 83 yards, 6.4 yards per carry. Um, also chipped in with four receptions for 44 yards. And unfortunately, you know, playing from behind most of the game, the offense was forced to throw it a little bit more than I think they would have liked. 54 attempts for Derek Carr. And I know the Bengals' run defense uh, was ranked in the top five, and the pass defense is is the weaker part of their defense. But you know, you would have liked to seen the Raiders be able to rely a little bit more on the ground game. But game flow, you know, it just didn't allow for that to happen. And and you know, the Bengals they lost some key players along the defensive line uh, to injury during the game, and I think that helped. But um, it was also a really good performance by Josh Jacobs. And you know, if you recall a couple weeks ago. When we did our Raiders roundtable with uh, Scott and Mo, uh, you know Jacobs was was really the only one of the 2019 first round picks who we all universally agreed should get consideration to have that fifth year extension uh, exercise. He played well down the stretch, uh, had a couple hundred yard games, and, and you know although he had the rib injury, he was able to play through it and it didn't really look like it affected him a whole lot. So he, he's definitely going to make that decision a lot more difficult for whoever the next head coach and general manager should be. I, I don't think it's ever been a question of talent with Jacobs. It all boils down to health for him. Can he stay healthy? And do you feel comfortable enough giving him, uh, you know, upwards of, of $10 million, uh, you know, uh, to a running back who who has an, a history of, of not being able to uh, stay healthy. So that is the um, question that we will continue to wonder about Josh Jacobs. Um, another positive that I uh, took from the game is that, you know, this team, uh, you know, continued to just believe in themselves, never give up, and, um, no matter what the circumstances were, uh, we saw it throughout the the season, dealing with all the adversity, and it showed up again in this game, playing from behind, nearly completing the comeback at the end of the game, and, and you know that is a credit. I do got to give some credit here to John Gruden and Mike Mayock, who are, you know are both now gone, but during their tenure, they told us numerous times about you know their desire to. Um, 
draft and, and bring in through free agency uh, high character guys. And and I and, and yes, of course, they made several mistakes, you know, along the way, but they also did a pretty good job in, in some regards uh, with with getting guys like Max Crosby, Yanni Kangakawe, Denzel Perryman, Casey Hayward, and some of the other great leaders that this team has. You know, that is something that um, you hope will carry over to next season, regardless of who the coach is, regardless of, you know, the turnover that may occur on this roster. Uh, You hope to see the fight and the belief um, in themselves that we saw from this team in the final six or seven games or so of the season. So uh, those were some of my positive takeaways from the game. Now, some of the bad news, some of my negative takeaways from the game. And if you followed me on this podcast all year long, then, you know, to me, it was a lot of the same stuff um, that was was hurting this team all season long. We saw it show up again uh, in the game. It was the penalties, uh, the, the the especially the pre snap penalties. Uh, a lot of uh, false starts. Uh, then there was the holding calls. Um, uh, after the Cowboys this year, the Raiders were the the second most penalized team in the entire NFL. So you know that's never a good recipe. Um, we saw some drive killing penalties in the game, and you, and you know when you get into the playoffs, you, you just can't have it. You saw it happen with the Cowboys as well. Um, so um, you know that was a issue for me. Um, the second one has to be the struggles in the red zone, which again is something that we've discussed many times on the show. Um, only one touchdown this team scored uh, in, in five trips in the red zone during the game. And, and when you lose a game by a touchdown, those missed opportunities of settling for three points rather than getting rather than getting a touchdown, getting the seven points, those add up. <laughs> I mean, you understand that. And, and so you can place the blame wherever you would like. Uh, there's plenty to go around. I think the play calling is a big part of it. You saw in the uh, you saw that firsthand. Um, on the, the, the Raiders' final possession and the final offensive play of the game, go back and rewatch that play if you have not done so yet already. Uh, they had their best two offensive weapons. I'm talking about Darren Waller and, and Hunter Renfro. Uh, really, they were used as more of a decoy on that final play, that interception, that car through to Zay Jones. Neither one of those options, um, when they needed to score, okay, fourth down had to score, um, neither Renfro or Waller ran a route to the end zone. So in a situation like that where you need the touchdown, that's inexcusable by the play caller. That is totally on the play caller. Um, and also in some instances uh, throughout the game, you would have liked to see you know, maybe the Raiders utilize the run a bit more in those red zone situations, goal to goal, a little bit closer to the goal line. I saw the numbers out there. Derek Carr was 4 of 17 passing in the red zone. And that is the second most red zone incompletions in a game over the last 20 years. Um, and I think, you know, some of that does fall on the, the shoulders of the quarterback, uh, maybe not making the right reads, um, maybe some issues with the decision-making. Uh, some of the blame goes to the wide receivers on their lack of ability to create space and separation. And obviously the execution of the play that is called, uh, the offensive line, their blocking and all that, it all plays a role in it. The Raiders on the season, they finished 28th in uh, the league as far as red zone uh, offense is concerned, 49%, and we're talking about uh, touchdowns only. So those were two of the big negatives uh, for me. And, and despite all of that, however, the Raiders still had a chance 
to tie the game up at the very end. Uh, there was some questionable clock management uh, on the first down to uh, to clock the ball there uh, at the Bengals' nine-yard line with with 30 seconds remaining in the game. You know, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, was that or was that not the right decision to make? Was that uh, decided by Derek Carr? Was he told to do that? We may never know. Um, I know that Derek Carr is given a lot of freedom to um, to do some of the things that he believes, you know, at making calls and protections and whatnot at the line of scrimmage. Um, we did hear that is one of the things that uh, in his uh, season-ending press conference, uh, Rich Basaccia was asked about that, and he called it a communication error. And so, you know, do whatever you want with that comment. Um, and But he did say that he believes spiking the ball on uh, first down was the wrong choice, uh, you know. And, and to complicate things a little bit more, I'm sure many of you, we're following the broadcast. Of course, it was uh, Drew Brees was on the call with Mike Chirico. And at that point in time, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback, he supported it. He supported the the idea to, the, to clock the ball. Um, but, you know, to me, um, you know, to, to give up uh, a play in that situation, it, it was kind of a tough pill to swallow because... The clock wasn't necessarily the main concern at that point from the nine-yard line. The main issue was, you know, having enough plays. And so, um, you know, obviously hindsight is is twenty twenty, and it's very easy for me and everyone else to sit here and say, oh, you know, that was a mistake. But um, anyhow, and then, and then the other comment I want to make about um, the game was, you know, the final play of the game. Um, I already talked about I, I wasn't a big fan of the play design. Uh, but also, I, I, you know, I have to scratch my head here um, with the decision that Carr made to throw the ball to Zay Jones short of the end zone. Now, that's not all on, on Derek Carr because Zay Jones is the one who is running the route and he didn't run the route deep enough to get to the end zone. So, uh, again, multiple blame to go around there. Just doesn't make much sense to me. It, it seems like a lack of situational awareness from Zay Jones and, you know, we all saw it. Even if the pass was completed, he would have he would have not have been um, able to score the touchdown. The outcome would have been the same. So, uh, just too many errors in, in the game. It felt like at times the Raiders just couldn't get out of their own way. Um, and you know, like I said, they were still in the game, which is uh, disheartening. And uh, quickly, I know many of you guys out there very unhappy with that inadvertent whistle call. That's been getting a lot of talk this week as well. Uh, the Burrow to, to Tyler Boyd touchdown just before half. Uh, I want to get you my thoughts on that real quick. Um, there's no doubt that was the blown call. You know, by rule, um, you know, the third down play should have been replayed. Um, but, you know, I don't know how much it actually affected the play. I mean, the, the whistle was blown quite late. I guess you could argue that Trayvon Merrig uh, did slow up a bit. That, that's up to you to decide. Um, but if you're one of those people sitting there still saying that the reason why the Raiders lost this game was because of that blown call, I strongly disagree because there's a couple things here. We have no idea if the play was, if the, if third down was replayed, we really have no idea what would have happened on the, on the replay, right? The third down. Uh, we just don't know. Maybe they score anyways. Maybe they don't, you know, I'm not going to speculate, but to me, this game 
was was not lost because of a missed call. It was about lack of execution in the red zone. One for five. That That's really, to me, uh, what it comes down to. You cannot trade touchdowns for field goals in these big games. Uh, you might be able to get away with it against teams like the Browns or the Washington football team or, you know, uh, the teams that aren't as, uh, you know, offensively um, um, as good as, as the Bengals are. But, you know, like I said, can't do that in big games. So those are some of my thoughts on the game. Overall, Raider fans, I think you have to be happy with the outcome of the season. I'll chalk it up as a successful campaign. All the adversity this team faced with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, losing five or six games um, you know, in the middle of the season, the injuries to Darren Waller down the stretch, and to rebound and pick themselves up off the floor and win four straight games to get into the playoffs. When a lot of people, myself included, wrote them off, that's a great accomplishment. So a really big offseason um, on the horizon, some some big changes uh, that will occur, but certainly something to build off of for next year. Okay, now that you've heard from me with some of my thoughts on the game, I want to go out to the phone lines and welcome in our first guest uh, this evening, sports director for Fox 5 in Las Vegas and the host of Raiders Press Conference Live with his co-host Eric Allen. We are chatting with Kevin Bollinger. And Kevin, now that the season is over for the Raiders, you, you reflect back on everything that happened to this team. They got off to the, the fast start at 5-2, and two, and then you had the Gruden scandal a couple weeks after that. Uh, it was the Henry Ruggs tragedy. Uh, then they lose five out of six games. And many thought at that point it was over for the Raiders, but they battled back. Um, they showed some moxie and they won four straight games and snuck into the playoffs. For you, looking back on this season, what was your overall assessment? Well, I think, you know, Raider Nation was expecting the, the collapse at the end, I think, because that has been the track record for the last few years. But I think it showed how tight this locker room was that they didn't want to give in at the end. And it's something that the players had talked about going all the way back to OTAs last year in training camp, that this locker room was different. And, you know, we hear that every year from players on, on every team in every sport, but these guys just had a certain conviction when they said it all year long, that, that this was a extremely tight group and they were tested. Let's face it. Uh, you know, they had to deal with so much stuff that they had nothing to do with that was thrown on their lap and put in front of them. And, yeah, there were some valleys uh, and some dips in through there. But I think that the Cleveland game, and, and Rich Visaccia kind of talked to, about how that was a turning point uh, in terms of that streak with the, the COVID issues and the NFL postponing the game and pushing it back literally as they're boarding the bus to take their charter to Cleveland. The fact that they got out of that, with a win, kind of catapulted them and saying, hey, you know, why not us? Let's uh, let's do this thing. And and so I give a lot of credit to, to the players and the coaching staff uh, for, for putting together uh, that four-game win streak because they could have very easily folded up shop and uh, just gotten to the golf course and, and said, we'll, we'll try again next year. Yeah, and you know, that's something I talked about a little bit earlier on the show is that, you know, that's something that you hope to see carry over into next season, regardless of who the next head coach or general manager might be. This team does have some 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 key players in, in, in place and, and, you know, you hope to see that leadership and that, that drive and that, um, you know, belief in themselves carry over to next season. So I, I do kind of want to go there next. You know, we move into the offseason now. 
and there's a there's a much different feeling surrounding this organization this offseason than in in the past although as i mentioned there's going to be a new general manager uh hired here soon and, and most likely a new head coach as well um, which we'll get into that in just a moment but this is a playoff team now you know the cupboards are not bare they have some building blocks in place but yet there is some some tweaking to the roster um you know some upgrading at certain positions that needs to be done uh where do you feel that the roster needs to be addressed both through free agency and and the draft. Well, I think uh, first off, you got to have to start with the offensive line, and they've got to figure out what's going to happen at right tackle. Uh, are you going to keep Leatherwood at right guard, or are you going to try and, and just get him back out to the, the position that you drafted him to be, or are you going to bring in somebody else? Uh, a lot of that triggers the success. If you look at the final four games uh, of the season, um, and not counting about the, the Cincinnati game which uh, in the playoffs, which, of course, there were so, some issues, but uh, they did not have pre-snap penalties in that final four-game losing streak. Uh, the, the line was able to open up some holes for Josh Jacobs, and that allowed them to be pretty balanced in those four games, and I think that that helped a lot because that's the way that offense was designed to be. So I think that uh, you, you're definitely looking – uh, at the, the right side of the offensive line. And then, you know, it's no, no secret. They've got to figure out what they're doing on the back end defensively with their DBs. Uh, Casey Hayward, who, who played very well this year, is a, a free agent coming up here. And, you know, they, they have some young guys in positions that, that Hobbs, uh, in particular, uh, Trayvon Merrick, came up huge for them this year. Um, can they equal that going forward? Um, so I think those are the two areas that they really have to, to, to work on is, is the defensive backfield and the right side of the offensive line. Kevin Bollinger, uh, sports director for Fox 5 News uh, in Las Vegas, is joining us this week on Just Pod Baby. And, you know, you just mentioned Casey Hayward as a guy who signed a one-year contract, and they're going to have to make a decision on him. There's a couple other decisions that are looming as well uh, for whomever the new general manager and, and coach should be. And the big one is obviously Derek Carr. He enters the final year uh, of, of his current contract, and most people assume that uh, you know, he will want to get something done prior to the start of the 2022 season. Uh, how, how do you see this shaking out? Do you feel that, you know, he's done enough? He Should he be extended now uh, for how much? Or do you think there is a possibility they could move on from him? What's your take on that? Well, this is certainly the hot button issue with Raider fans, right? The, uh, there's a, uh, kind of a split, I think, inside Raider Nation as to, to what to do with Derek Carr. I will say that statistically his numbers went up with John Gruden uh, as head coach over those last four years, what's going to happen in the future. I think a lot of it's going to depend on who the next head coach is, who the next general manager is and, and what their offensive philosophy is, uh, especially as, as a head coach, what kind of offense they're going to install for what kind of quarterback they want. I think that uh, Derek Carr has proven himself uh, as a leader on this team and the players attached themselves to him he did a lot of off-season workouts volunteer at a local park in southern highlands just south of las vegas in the entire last off-season uh just so everybody could kind of get the chemistry going with a, a lot of the the receivers and him and then and, and pretty soon ev- everybody on both sides of the ball were starting to show up at these um and interestingly enough i, I asked hunter renfro after the game in cincinnati 
uh, when are the workouts in the park going to start? And he looked at me and kind of smiled and said, maybe we should start tomorrow and work on our red zone offense. Uh, and, <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> and I kind of laughed, uh, but I, I, I would not be surprised if <laughs> Derek Carr was already working on stuff, uh, at least uh, on the phone with, with things that they want to do. So um, in terms of, of where they go from there, a lot of it's going to depend, depend on the coach situation. But he does have a year left. You could always throw, um, you know, the the franchise tag on him if you want to to lengthen that out for another year uh, for him because they do have to get deals done this off season with Max Crosby and Renfro. Absolutely, uh, good point. And they have about forty million of cap space right now, uh, but there's a, a lot of money that has to to go out as well. So. If you're a Raider fan, you've got to go back to what he said earlier this season, that he wants to be a Raider for the rest of his career. Uh, and, and then it's going to come back to what kind of contract are you willing to do to allow the team to go out and get the surrounding parts that you need to be a winner. Yep. Um, and I think that that if uh, they're willing to work that out financially, then I think Derek Carr sticks around uh, as a Raider because uh, – he for, he takes a lot of blame for stuff that he had nothing to to do with, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the, how it plays out. But a lot of it will come down to the head coach and their offensive philosophy. Okay, so you talked about the head coach having a a big role in that decision. Let, let's go there next, then, because that was something obviously we're going to have to get to. Rich Bisacci got the opportunity to make his case this week on Wednesday why he should have the interim label removed from his from his title. Uh, we've also heard that Patriots defensive assistant Jared Mayo he's going to be uh, getting an interview at some point. But the name that keeps dominating the conversation is Jim Harbaugh. Now, uh, we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, so it's worth mentioning that the sports books uh, in Vegas have odds on who they think will be the next head coach. And right now, Harbaugh, he is the favorite. But but what are your thoughts? There's certainly a lot of smoke, but do you feel this is a real possibility? Uh, you know, there's a relationship there. So, uh, you know, w- what kind of conversations have taken place, I do not know yet. Uh, but... Jim Harbaugh does have a, a relationship with the Davis family. When he was an assistant with the Raiders, uh, he became close with Al Davis uh, and Mark Davis, for that matter. So there could have been phone conversations that have happened that we don't even know about, just picking up the phone and say, hey, how's it going? What do you think about this and that and the other? Um, and I'm hearing, like everybody else, in terms of, of what's coming out on Twitter and everything, uh, uh, some mixed stuff as to, to whether Harbaugh uh, is, is going to leave Michigan at this point or would jump at the chance. But keep a couple things in mind. Uh, he wants to, to win at the highest level in the NFL. He, he got there. He lost to his brother in the Super Bowl. He does have Raider ties. He does have Las Vegas ties. He met his wife here in Las Vegas. Uh, so there are a lot of things that, that make it the right fit. Is Mark Davis going to to put the offer out there that's going to entice him enough to come out? We're talking about college coaches making more than NFL coaches in most in- instances. So, uh, you know, if he's going to make uh, eight, nine, ten million dollars with a new deal at Michigan, uh, is Mark Davis going to be willing to open up the checkbook like he did for John Gruden and have ten million per season contract? I'm not sure. So. Uh, I think there's a, a possibility for sure, and I think that in, in my belief, if given the opportunity, he would jump at it. It's just a matter of everything can align to get it to that point. And if not, then Mark Davis will have to make the decision as to whether he wants to go with Rich Bisaccia and this current coaching staff 
or go with uh, somebody else that's out there uh, in the NFL realm. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's just, he, they're doing their due diligence this time. They aren't jumping and making quick decisions. Uh, so I think that it's going to be a little bit of time before we get an answer on all of this. Yeah, Kevin, I got one more topic I'd like to discuss with you real quick before I let you run, um, and that's and that's the general manager job. Now, it looks like, you know, based on what we we've been seeing with the request uh, interview request that had been put out there, uh, it looks like Davis wants to hire the general manager first prior to getting the coach done. Um, they've requested interviews with, with um, a few different guys, Dave Ziegler from the Patriots, Champ Kelly from the front office of the Bears, Trey Brown from the Bengals, and, and Ed Dodds uh, with the Colts. What, what's your thoughts on some of those candidates? Are, are you leaning in any direction towards one of those men? Well, I think uh, Ed Dodds, in my mind, of the ones that they formally requested uh, uh, interviews with, is probably the front runner because he was a scout for the Raiders for four years before he went on to Seattle and then Indianapolis. So he does have ties to the organization. Uh, he did withdraw from the Chicago interview process for their GM job, which I thought, which I thought was interesting because uh, that came after the Raiders uh, had expressed interest. So um, that's something certainly to keep an eye on. Trey Brown, the Cincinnati scout was actually uh, interviewed for the Raiders GM job before they hired Mike Mayock three years ago. Uh, he's a young guy and an up-and-coming candidate as well. So uh, and then there may be somebody else out there that, that we don't know yet, but uh, I, I would say Dodds has got to be the front-runner. But it does appear, based on when the interviews are taking place, that they are going to go GM first and then coach. But in those conversations with the GM, they're going to throw some coaching names out there as well. Uh, to to make sure that the fit's going to be right, so uh, I, I would not put it past you know the Raiders front office right now, kind of having a a plan in their head and kind of just connecting all the pieces to get that right type of synergy and, and go back to a more traditional NFL way of doing things with a GM and a coach uh, and their personnel working together rather than one person that's in charge of everything. Uh, I think that that they're not going to go that route this time. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be a, a really exciting couple of weeks here ahead for Raider Nation. And I know you're going to be all over it over there at Fox 5. Please go out there. Give Kevin a follow on Twitter. That's at KevinFox5Vegas. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for the time tonight. Uh, great job. Great insight. And, and maybe we can get you on again sometime down the road. You got it. Thanks, Evan. Welcome back, everyone. Just Pod Baby, the first episode of the 2022 offseason. I'll be here with you all throughout the next couple of weeks and months covering it all. I can't guarantee you there'll be a new show every week, but uh, you know, as things heat up here with the GM and coach search, I will definitely provide you with some new content. Uh, of course, as we get into Senior Bowl week, free agency, and draft season, you can expect from, to hear from me on a more regular basis. Uh, really, the best way to stay on top of it all is to subscribe to the show. 
Uh, and, and please go out there and follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 I'll keep you posted uh, over there on Twitter with everything going on with the podcast. Um, and I'm going to try to do a, a make a better effort here to get the website going again. Uh, I plan to get some weekly stories up over at the website, justpodbaby.com. Of course, you can check out all of the episodes housed over there. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, but I do digress right now, and I want to shift gears here. Uh, to a question that every fan wants answered right now, who is the next head coach of the Raiders going to be? Uh, it's been relatively quiet on that front. We've heard some rumors, of course, uh, involving uh, a certain coach, uh, former NFL coach now uh, coaching over in Michigan. Um, and other than Rich Bisaccia interviewing on Wednesday and the expected interview of uh, Jared Mayo, uh, there's really been no buzz. Uh, and to this point, uh, there has been no other formal request made to interview or to uh, invite uh, anyone else on an interview right now. Of course, Bruce Feldman uh, from The Athletic appears to have some inside sources into that uh, aforementioned coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and, and we've heard from uh, Feldman now on a couple of different occasions over the last couple of weeks in regards to Harbaugh and his status at Michigan. Uh, just this week, uh, he dropped some news that really, really excited uh, the fan base. And in his story, he wrote that he says sources uh, at Michigan believe that Harbaugh would make the jump to the NFL and uh, to the Raiders should they offer him the job. And I know about as much as you do about this right now. I don't think anyone really has a good grasp on this. Everything that we're hearing is pure speculation to this point, but um, I am hoping that our next guest can shed some light and, and give us some of his insight into the situation because he spent the last five years covering Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football. Joining us now is Michigan Wolverines beat writer for Ann Arbor News. That's Aaron McMahon, uh, kind enough to hop on with us this evening. And Aaron, let's jump right into it. Uh, there is a lot of smoke right now in terms of uh, Jim Harbaugh potentially making a move back to the NFL. Raider Nation is clamoring for him right now, and, and I'm hoping that you can help us out here this evening. What is the latest you are hearing from Ann Arbor in regards to Jim Harbaugh's future at Michigan? Yeah, that's the number one question. There isn't much coming out of Ann Arbor much at all. I mean, that, that's the thing with Jim Harbaugh. Anytime, it, you know, the NFL rumors come up, it seems like year after year this time of the year. Uh, but yeah, I certainly think there's more smoke this this time. You know, given that his stock has probably never been higher as a as a you know as a college coach. Um, but yeah, there's not much coming out, and, and that's the thing about Jim Harbaugh. Whenever these rumors come out, um, you, you you wonder if you should believe them. You wonder what's true. You wonder what's not true. Um, because I mean, the reality of the situation is he doesn't he doesn't really act with an agent. He doesn't have an agent, so there's really no one to leak the information to. So it, it's hard to get a good read on the situation. I, I don't think anyone really knows um, what Jim Harbaugh is going to do um, other than maybe Jim Harbaugh, his wife, and maybe his dad. So I think that's how close to the best he kind, he kind of, the, you know, he tends to keep this type of stuff. Um, because if you go back to, I mean, you know, December of, of 2014 when he left the San Francisco 49ers to come to the University of Michigan to be the head coach, I, I think at that point, too, there was still some mystery as to whether he was actually going to do it and, and go to Michigan. And, you know, and it just happened. So I, you know, never say never. It certainly sounds like the Raiders and the front runners. But again, I, I don't at this point, I don't know what to believe. You know, I find that interesting that you're saying there's, you know, not a whole lot coming out of out of Ann Arbor, because it seems to me, you know, that a lot of what we were hearing surrounding Harbaugh 
isn't coming out of Las Vegas. I mean, these aren't leaks that are coming out of you know the Vegas side of things, um, which which leads many to believe that this could be you know a leverage play by Harbaugh to maybe force the hand of Michigan to 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 get a new contract. And I know that he just signed the extension a year ago, but he took the reduction in pay to do so. Um, so my question is: Let's say, hypothetically speaking, here, uh, push comes to shove, and it gets to the point where you know the Raiders you know, offered him a job. Do you think at that point, Michigan would do whatever it takes to uh, try to keep Harbaugh in, in Ann Arbor? Yeah, I, I do. You know, I think there's contract negotiations going on right now. I, I think there was an assumption after the season that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh had that Michigan was going to have to go back to the, come back to the table and offer him more money. And you're right. You, you mentioned that he, he had took a contract, you know, he, he re-signed a new contract last January uh, basically calved his pay. Um, so he went from one of the highest paid head coaches in college football to one of the lowest paid coaches in the Big Ten, which is a, which is a seismic drop really for him. But yeah, I think there was an assumption he was going to get some type of new deal and, and pay increase anyway. Um, but yeah, I certainly think the NFL smoke and the rumors about him potentially going to Las Vegas or whatever the case may be certainly helps the situation. You know, I, I, as I mentioned, he, you know, he's coming off of a 12 win season. They went to, they won the Big Ten championship, went to the college football playoffs. So I think Jim Harbaugh has a lot of leverage and a lot of power right now. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, he's the one that's, that is certainly manufacturing some of this talk whether it's through back channels or whatever the case may be. Because remember, I mean, he's got a brother that coaches the NFL right now. He's got a lot of folks he still knows in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, it's it certainly when, it, when, when I first started hearing the rumors about him in the NFL, my first thought right away was, okay, here we go again, because it seems like this time of the year, every year since Jim Harbaugh has gotten to Michigan, that these types of things have come up. But then I also you know, went to that, that point of, okay, he's doing this for leverage. Because if you remember, if you go back just a couple of weeks ago, in the lead up to Michigan's Orange Bowl game against Georgia, you know Jim Harbaugh was asked about his pay, you know his new contract and the pay cut he took last year, and he 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 said verbatim, "I would do this job free." Which, when you take it at face value, that does, certainly doesn't help you know your situation, uh, your lever you know leverage your situation from the future. So I, I'm really curious to see what comes of this. At the very least, Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan, probably gets a nice you know raise. And then, it, and then there's the, the other side of the coin, which you and so many other folks want to know, is maybe he just makes that jump to the NFL. And I, I really don't have a, a good grasp on it. Neither does. I, I, don't, I don't think many folks don't. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I did not hear that comment that he made about willing to coach for free. Um, what do you think is more of the, of the driving factor behind uh, Harbaugh possibly leaving? I know this is really all hypothetical at this point, but... You know, we just spoke about the reduction uh, of pay that he took and, and possibly, you know, maybe a new contract on the horizon. But, you know, as, as much as he may deny it, I, I read something, you know, prior to us speaking tonight that, you know, he, he kind of brushed it off last year as, you know, oh, it's only money. But, you know, I'm sure that must have been a little bit of a shot to his ego, um, especially when, you know, they made this new contract so incentive driven as if almost like he had to, you know, once again, prove himself. Um, so, you know, what, what do you think would be a bigger factor? Would it be more about wanting to get out of Michigan or do you think getting back to the NFL has always been part of the long-term plan uh, for, for Jim Harbaugh? I, I lean towards the former. I think Jim, Har Jim Harbaugh is so motivated and focused on the game of football that I, I don't think he knows much else in life. And that's not necessarily a shot at him. I think that's, that's, that's just how he's wired. I, I think he looks at the NFL as another challenge. 
because remember, as we all know, he coached there for four years. The San Francisco 49ers had a lot of success. You know, they went to the three NFC championship games, went to a Super Bowl, but he was never able to get over the hump and, and win that ultimate prize. And, and, and to some degree, that's still kind of haunting him here at Michigan. Now, before this year, uh, you know, the, the start of this year, he hadn't even gotten to the Big Ten championship game, let alone won it so, or gotten in the playoffs. So I, I, think he, I think he feels like he's accomplished quite a bit now. He's finally, I think he's told, you know, proven his doubters wrong at the college level. You know, he's, He's basically said, you know, I, I, I can do it. I can win. And now I think, I think he's looking at the NFL and saying, okay, may, maybe this is intriguing to me. You know, maybe if he gets in the right position in the right franchise and in the, in the right situation with the right talent, he could, he could do it again. Um, you know, his brother is still coaching there. I'm sure he hears a lot from him. Uh, so I, I, think it's, I think it's a two-pronged thing. It's a challenge in the NFL. And, yeah, I mean, he, he was given a new contract last year in Michigan, but, you know, he took a pay cut, took an ego shot. I think there's a realization that maybe the you know, the automatic slam dunk of winning at Michigan wasn't what what many folks ex, you know expected. Because remember when he got to Ann Arbor in December 2014, they literally rolled the red carpet out for him. I mean, everyone showed up to his press conference. I think there was an assumption that he was going to take Michigan to the top almost immediately. And look, they they won pretty early. They they had a lot of success. But over time, it became apparent to those here in Ann Arbor that this job was a little more difficult than he thought it was going to be. Um, you know, they couldn't beat Ohio State for a while. And then obviously they had this, this big year. And as I said at the top, you know, when I first joined you here, you know, his stock as a head coach at the college level has never been higher. So I think he realizes that. And I think he'd be foolish not to listen to all of his, you know, his options, assuming that, you know, these NFL franchises certainly are, are interested in him. Yeah, and you know he's had success, sixty-one and twenty-four uh, career record at Michigan. And but I think the rap he's developed prior to this year was, you know, not being able to win the big game. We know about the the history and the struggles he's had about with Ohio State up until this year. But you know he he finally got that figured out. But when you look at Harbaugh's career as a head coach, both in the the NFL and and in college, you know, prior to his time at Michigan. He's never spent more than four years with a team, you know. He, he he and he's kind of developed a reputation. And correct me if I'm wrong with this, but you know he's been known as a guy that can maybe kind of wear out his welcome. Uh, but here he is now entering year eight with the Wolverines. If he doesn't make the move to the NFL right now, do you think that it's, there's a possibility that he might just be content to finish out his coaching career with Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he and he said that countless times now. He he he'd be open and fine retiring as the head coach at the University of Michigan. In fact, you know, Michigan's athletic director, Lord Manuel, has said something similar. Uh, so I, I think Jim Harbaugh will be totally fine staying here at Michigan, assuming that he has the type of success and the support from the administration and the fan base that you know that that comes with all of that. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, I, I think he wants to be where he wants to be wanted, where he's wanted. Um, you know, up until, you know, before this year, I, I think there was probably some question marks. The, the buzz had kind of worn off here in Ann Arbor. Some folks were starting to doubt him and whether he was able, if he was going to be the guy that could eventually get Michigan over the top. And, you know, he's able to prove those doubters wrong this year. But, yeah, it, it's, it's a good question. Um, I, I think Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh is a football guy at the end of the day. He, he, he is there to uh, coach football and win football games. And, and have fun doing it. And that, that's basically his livelihood. So I think wherever he thinks he has the best situation to do that and do that long-term, I think he's going to, he's going to be, and, and that's another thing when you, when you consider the NFL side of things, you know, in a way, um, you know, a lot of those, those head coaches are hired to be fired as we saw with his four years in San Francisco, he won a lot of games, but ultimately it wasn't enough. So it, it's really going to be fascinating to follow here. Um, you're right. You're, you hit the nail on the head with him kind of wearing out his welcome. I, I think, 
you know, the last couple of years, I think there've been some folks and just for that very reason that you mentioned, he's never really coached at a place longer than, than four years. I think there's some folks expecting him in a way to leave for the NFL over the last couple of years when things weren't necessarily weren't working out here in Ann Arbor. Um, yet, you know, he, he stayed, you know, you can make the argument that his, his stock probably wasn't as high and there wasn't just as much interest in him. Uh, but now that he's shown that he can still coach and, and win big games and, you know, be successful at, at the coaching level, I, I think there's some interest again. And, and I, and I, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think you'd be foolish not to listen to whether it's the Raiders or the Chicago Bears or the New York Giants. Um, because at least, again, these are franchises he's, he's familiar with franchises, you know, he probably looks at in, you know, in, in high, in high regard. And if he thinks that he can still do it at the NFL level, you know, why, why not give it another shot? Aaron McMahon, uh, writer for the Ann Arbor news. I just got one final question for you. You've done a great job for us. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Las Vegas Sportsbook, they actually have, you know, lines and, and numbers out, for, you know, for the odds of who they feel will be the, you know, the next head coach of the Raiders. Uh, Harbaugh currently has the best odds right now. If you were a betting man, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you think Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan to become the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something I was actually thinking about earlier today. You know, if you would ask me that question maybe a week or two ago, I would have probably said, you know, it was maybe 60-40 more toward him staying at Michigan and coming back for the 2022 season. But the more this drags on and the more this, this smoke continues, and that, and that's the thing about these NFL things. Typically, you know, as I mentioned, it, it, these rumors come up almost every year. And Jim, to his credit, has done a very good job of, you know, discrediting them or coming out publicly and, you know, denouncing them or, you know, just, just you know, batting them down. He hasn't done that this year. Uh, he's had opportunities to do it. He's kind of tiptoed the line. So that tells me that there's certainly some interest, you know, either on his side or, or, or both sides. So I, right now I, I think it's more of a 50-50 proposition, you know, and I don't think that's something that Michigan fans necessarily want to hear. Uh, they, 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 it sounds like most of them want him back. I mean, given the year he had and the ability he was able to do turn around, but yeah, I think it's 50, 50 proposition. It doesn't surprise me that a lot of these, these books have Michigan or have, you know, Jim Harbaugh, the odds on favorite to take the Raider job. It just makes too much sense. You know, and you got to look at the, the, you know, the the profile of some of these franchises. I mean, we've talked, I'm sure you've discussed it and your, your listeners know the story, but Jim Harbaugh, his first coaching job is with the Oakland Raiders. He knows the Davis family very well. Uh, he met his wife, Sarah, in Las Vegas, so it wouldn't surprise me if she wanted to go back there. So all, in a way, a lot of the stars are aligning here, uh, and the longer this drags on, I think the more likely this, the, you know, this tips toward Jim you know, making the, uh, the decision to go back to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. The, the stars are aligning. That's, that's the good way to put it. And uh, there you heard it, Raider Nation. He's saying there's a chance. Aaron McMahon, thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us this evening. I know the fans will appreciate it, and uh, I, I certainly appreciate it. And, and keep up the good work, and, and, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. So that was Aaron McMahon from the Ann Arbor News, and pretty much what we thought, and not a whole lot of new information coming out of Michigan uh, I think I would tend to agree with his uh, assessment that it's a 50-50 proposition right now that Harbaugh makes the move to the Raiders. I, I do believe the connection with Las Vegas and the Raiders makes a lot of sense, especially if they can get Ed Dodds in the building as the general manager. You know, Although it's a brief history together, the, the two were part of the Raiders organization years ago back in uh, 2003. Uh, and so, you know, stuff like that, you start to connect the dots and it just makes a lot of sense. So uh, if you're keeping track out there, um, like I have been, 
you know, monitoring. Raider Nation definitely believes that's the best combo right now. That's the most popular combo. They seem to be garnering the most uh, attention from the fan bases as far as who they want to see the new head coach and general manager be. But we're going to have to continue to wait and see as Mark Davis, um, you know, does his due diligence and, and, and goes through the process. It's going to be a lengthy process this time. He's not going to rush to judgment here uh, this time around. And hopefully we'll have something new to report and discuss in the coming days. But that is going to do it for this week. It is time for us to say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the conversations with Kevin Bollinger and Aaron McMahon this week. Until we chat again, take care, everyone. Enjoy the divisional round of the playoffs this week. And as always, just win, baby.